In a world of career uncertainty, there is one variable you have total control over, yourself. Welcome to Forever Employable Stories, where expert digital transformation consultant and successful entrepreneur Jeff Gotthelf will share conversations with unique and inspiring individuals who have taken charge of their professional lives, leveraged their expertise, built an audience, and future-proofed their careers so you can learn how to do the same. Here's your host, Jeff Gotthelf. Hey, folks. My name is Jeff Gotthelf. I'm the author of several books, most recently, Forever Employable, How to Stop Looking for Work and Let Your Next Job Find You. On top of that book, I've built a workshop called Becoming Forever Employable, where the participants spend 10 weeks working with me and with each other to build a presence for themselves online, to create content, to build a reputation, to build a network, and to start to build this platform that generates opportunities and attracts them to them instead of them having to go out and chase those opportunities down. Now, at the end of the 10-week workshop, Becoming Forever Employable, we did a demo day. A demo day comes from tech, from where organizations will demonstrate the work that they've done over a certain period of time. And so we spent over an hour having each participant in the first cohort of Becoming Forever Employable share their story and their progress from week one through week 10. Let's get started with the participants from the first cohort. So thanks for joining everyone. I'm John Bowie. I have uh, recently started a, a laboratory for investigating user experience methods and techniques called Colorado Design Labs. And what I'd like to do today is share with you lessons that I've learned over the last 10 weeks that are related to what Jeff was just talking about there. Volker Tines, let me first maybe briefly introduce myself. I'm a freelance consultant serving my clients as agile coach, scrum master, or product owner, depending on, on the different project. I'm 45 years old, married to a wonderful woman and having two lovely children of four and one and a half year old. From my professional experience, more than 20 years now, it's mostly about banking, financial services, insurance business. Before I became a business consultant in 2013, so I switched sides, so to say. And so, since then, I'm doing projects in agile transformation and software product development projects. All right. And it's Szymalski, uh, or if you're in Poland, Mielewski. Yeah. So hello, everybody. And like I said, TJ Szymalski, I'm a product designer by trade uh, with digital design experience of up to 19 years. Also in my 40s and with three kids. All right. So I'm Travis. I live in, in Spokane, Washington. A little bit about, about myself. I'm, I'm 45. Don't want to work for someone else the rest of my career. I, I, like I mentioned, I live in Spokane and don't plan to move. Uh, if you know anything about Spokane, it is not Seattle. We don't have Microsoft and Amazon and big companies here with lots of opportunities. But I chose lifestyle over that. And I've tried a lot of things have a unique and, and diverse experience, you know, as a result of my 20 plus year career. And if you read Jeff's book, um, Becoming Forever Employable, you know, he mentioned when he turned 35, 
he kind of had this feeling of being replaceable. That hit me when I turned 40 on my birthday as well. Just this feeling and having been in recruitment and, and hearing hiring managers talk about what they want. Cheap is always, always better for most, most companies. As my career progressed, I was not cheap. Uh, I was also an individual contributor. And so when that happened, I decided to, to make a pivot and get some leadership experience. So that's where I'm at now. I'm a director of marketing for a company that's based in Denver. But I know that, like I mentioned, I don't want to work for someone the rest of my career. Setting out to become forever employable is a simple concept, but it's not easy to execute. And there are several challenges that folks have to overcome as they look to build an online presence, a reputation, a network, and a platform for themselves. Typical problems include things like, what do I talk about? What do I write? How do I stand out above the noise? Uh, why would anyone listen to me? Why is what I have to say more important than somebody else? It hasn't everything already been said? And I think the worst one that people have to deal with is, what if no one reads my work? What if no one listens to me? You'll note a lot of those themes in the work that the students were working on. So let's listen to the challenges that they took on and how they began to think through those challenges and to overcome them. Part of the things that I think is most impactful about becoming forever employable is that you're constantly running experiments. You're not going out there and saying, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to do it regardless of what the world is telling me, whether it works or not. So you start with an experiment. So I started with experiments of creating a newsletter that was talking about the techniques that I've discovered over the course of my career on how to design things effectively. And I put that out there and I tried to get subscribers for it by advertising it basically on LinkedIn and putting some of my blog posts out on LinkedIn. So that was my initial experiment. Once you've done that, you have to evaluate whether that experiment is working or not. So I looked at this, I looked at my newsletter and over on the left-hand side, you see this one campaign that I ran recently. And you can see I've only got a 33% open rate for my newsletter. I've only got 12 subscribers. So this isn't taking off the way I'd hoped it would be. And even if people do sign up for the newsletter, they're busy. They got lots of stuff to do. They've got lots, lots of things to read. So yeah, it's not unusual that you subscribe to something, stick it away in your inbox somewhere or in a mail folder and maybe never come back to it. I also looked at some of the blogs or the, the articles and blog posts that I put out on LinkedIn. And I saw sometimes I get 500 views. Sometimes I get 19 views. So what's going on there? So this is where you have to get in and do some analysis of the effectiveness of your approach. And then once you've done that, you have to decide, am I going to kill it? You know, is this newsletter really going to work for me? Is, is this something that's going to take off? Do I need to pivot as I did initially saying, okay, I'm not going to really focus on new managers of creative teams. I'm going to focus on user experience designers and the managers of user experience designers who really understand the field well, but could use some new techniques? Or do I just persevere and just keep doing what I'm doing? Because I'm seeing some success at it, maybe not what I'd like, but nevertheless, I think I should keep doing it a little bit longer at least to see how it goes. So I continued to persevere, basically. I'm not sure I'm going to continue with the newsletter, but I'm definitely going to continue with my LinkedIn 
presence. I'm trying to build my platform there. At the age of 45 now, I'm uh, facing the second half maybe of, of my career. And before actually I, I joined that, that program as a, as a freelance consultant, I was actually grabbing kind of any project that I could get with not that much of a, of a focus, just getting any opportunity or taking any opportunity that I could get. And I was kind of suffering from that imposter syndrome that at least one or two out there might know as well. And actually, I had a very weak to actually hardly any online presence, uh, except, uh, let's say, a LinkedIn profile updated every once in a while. My challenges throughout uh, the weeks, personally, were to overcome that kind of imposter syndrome, because uh, I was always asking myself, what is it that I'm actually good at? Is there anything, actually? And whatever I will post, I'm sure they will just Google the topics and they will see that it's kind of not originally from me. There have been hundreds of other people telling more or less the same. So that was quite a, a hard challenge uh, for me. And then another one was when creating the content to ship, to beat that perfectionism that is kind of built in myself, always thinking, oh, it's not ready yet. It's not good enough yet. And how can I further improve it and continue working on it, working on it, working on it. And just to get out of that wheel and finally ship it at some time. Another thing was actually to start into that social media content marketing stuff. Actually, that was also something that I was not very much familiar with. As I said, I had that mandatory profile on LinkedIn, but I didn't really maintain it. Neither did I post actually anything in any frequent manner. So it was just there. So if anyone was looking, am I existing on LinkedIn? Yes, I do, but more or less as a zombie. <laughs> so. I've been a fan of Jeff for a long time, starting with uh, Lean UX. And so I read, naturally read his forever employable book. And there was a lot in the recent book that resonated with me. And although I have a lot of experience and success with companies uh, that I've worked for, there are younger, hungrier, more toolsy, and cheaper crowd of designers coming in for my job. And uh, up to this point, I hadn't done much in sharing my efforts and learning externally. I mean, I do plenty of that in-house, but there was some resistance to kind of doing that outside of my work. And, and John kind of hit on this a little bit in his talk. One of the issues is there's, there's a lot of noise and I just didn't want to add to it. There are a lot of people that talk about what I do and have various positions on it. And it's, it's all covered. I mean, looking at this, uh, you know, how to do design thinking and why it's important. And then, you know, why it doesn't work and why you need UX design, and UX is dead, and I don't know. I just didn't know if, if it needed my voice out there. So because I love teaching, I have wanted to put out a workshop for a while. So I basically took four things from my book that I thought were kind of the four most important parts of my book and created a four-week workshop and, and put it out there, promoted it, but I had a, a threshold that because of the format that I had, I really wanted it to be the ability to break out in small cohorts during a Zoom session. And so I, I wanted no less than nine people so we could have groups of three and, and no more than 15. And so if I didn't get to nine, eight is kind of a gray area, but if I didn't get eight or nine, I was going to kill it and just kind of move on. And that's kind of the kill 
pivot persevere part that the other guys have talked about. And this really, really bombed. It got three signups, three applications. Two of those were me testing and one is a friend. So that bombed. I'm going to kill it. And again, I think it's that part of getting into the area too soon without building up a brand and an audience and trust, and then trying to go right into asking someone to pay $300 for a four-week workshop, a commitment of time and money. This was too big of an experiment at this point in time. So that bombed. The first step we talk about in the book about becoming forever employable, and it's also the first step in the workshop, is called planting your flag. Planting your flag is deciding what you're going to base the foundation of your platform on. What is the expertise or the experience or the passion that you have that you believe you can become a thought leader on? It's one of the most important steps because it helps you determine not only what you're going to talk about, what you're going to write, what content you're going to create, but who you're going to speak to. This is how the folks in the cohort got this part done. You need to reflect on where you've been and what you love to do and what you're good at, what the needs of the world are, as well as what someone is willing to pay you for if you're going to be running a company and actually relying on this for income. Now, in my career, I've always worked internally, in-house at companies. I worked initially for HP, and then I went to General Electric, United Health Group, Deloitte, finally at Admentum. I also did some individual consulting. I formed a company several decades ago called TCE Labs, Total Customer Experience Labs, and I, I conducted some workshops there. And in the course of doing that, I got the opportunity to work with some other companies like Microsoft and Intuit. So you reflect on all that you've done. You decide what it is that you really love to do. In my case, it was I love to teach about experience design. I love to write. I've written books and I intend to write more. What you're good at, I think I'm pretty good at both of those things. The world needs it because the world can always use more simplicity especially in the technologies that they use every day. And then my goal is, after looking around the internet and seeing how other people have monetized this type of thing of conducting training sessions and writing books, I believe that what I'm trying to accomplish is at the intersection of all four of those things. So especially in my field, in the user experience field, design thinking field, there is just a ton of stuff out there already. One of the things I did for research is I picked up a book on design thinking. There must have been 30 different activities in that book that you could try in order to run a a design thinking workshop, okay? So my flag is to find this very focused, very pragmatic, very efficient approach to design, and it's really built around a framework of questions. What's the first question you have to ask when you're starting a design project? Once you've answered that, did that generate more questions or did you find an answer to it? And then you move through this cascade of questions until you finally come up with a design that you can prove is simpler than perhaps what's out there on the market today. So it is a broad field, but my particular flag is to find not the current best practices that are being practiced today, but to find a way within two days to come in with a problem, leave with a solution, 
that maybe you hadn't been able to come up with before? Yeah, my target when joining this this course actually was to yeah to future proof my career to find uh, what is actually let's say the value that I can add to the world. Is there any? Find out what it could be, and for that purpose, let's say that initial exercise that we did this. Ikigai story that uh, John has already introduced to you was very helpful for me. Although I heard of that before, I never really did it this consistently as we did it in this course. And uh, this really helped me to work out, let's say, an area where I know that I'm good at things that I love, things that actually the world needs, and yeah, things that actually I could probably earn money with. Then from that um, overlap area there in the center of my ikigai flower, I was, was planting my initial flag there. I was uh, developing, let's say, my, my online presence with experiments throughout the course. That, that's also something that, that John already mentioned, doing all these experiments. And I received uh, tons of uh, inspirations and, and very valuable advice from my colleagues in this cohort. Kind of to Jeff's point, we all have a unique perspective, right? And, uh, and we have different experiences, even if we do the same things, similar fields. And he just suggested planting your flag based off your own un- uniqueness. And product design is a broad subject. So what is it that I do in product design that makes me successful? Also, what are the things about product design that I enjoy and I want to do every day? And what could I kind of get rid of? And as a cohort, we had these exercises that we've done. Um, uh, you heard Volker talk about the Ikigai and trying to find out, you know, what we're good at, what we can make money at, what we love and what the world needs. And um, it's really hard to self-examine yourself and kind of say what unique flavor you bring to the world. And so this was a great exercise to kind of tease out and find out what comes in the middle of all that. And I mean, creativity was something I always knew was a part of my thing, but also like, I didn't realize how much I I liked coaching and helping people kind of realize their capabilities. Just my ultimate love of, you know, people building skills. This is uh, still kind of narrowly focused on my career. So I tried to break out of that a little bit and just kind of, I don't want my identity to be my job. I want my identity to be what I am in the completeness of myself. And so that kind of brought up an interesting thing that I'm an awesome dad. I have no, I have no ego about that. <laughs> my creativity doesn't end at the office, right? I spend a lot of my uh, time with my kids and we do a ton of creative projects together. And that's something maybe I could share. But ultimately, it, it's not something I could make money at. So I, I was still kind of focused on this product design thing. And I ended up trying to plant two flags. And, you know, the dad thing I was already doing and... I don't suspect it would make me forever employable. The latter was uh, more career-minded, and I was inadvertently chasing two rabbits. So I realized after kind of trying to um, get my process to develop this content and kind of create my own brand, I need to focus and you know practice getting that stuff down rather than trying to juggle multiple ideas. And then ultimately, the product leadership content that I was putting out was causing some tension in my work environment. So I decided to focus and just double down on the creative dad. And this was actually helpful in a few ways for starters. You know, I'm extremely confident in my parenting and I I love talking about it. 
So it was easy to produce content on this subject. I had no shortage of it. And there seemed to be less of that out on the web than product design. And also there's far less friction. No one boos you for being a dad that spends time with their kids. So that's kind of cool thing to go along with that. And I received excellent feedback from the first few pieces of content I put out. And I set up a quick website with a subscription form and folks left me their email. So I got to talking to people and I reached out to dozens of dads on LinkedIn that liked or commented on my posts. I ended up having great conversations uh, with other dads about their experiences and struggles and how they like to spend time with their kids. And uh, an interesting side effect was having strangers connect to me that share my same passion for parenting and, and you know, the struggles of, of balancing work and what should I be, you know, more focused on? How do I balance these things? And, and some were in different stages of fatherhood with, you know, newborns, toddlers, kids of the same age as mine and teenagers. So it was kind of interesting to get all of those different perspectives. So what recently changed? I've decided to try some different things, experiment. You've heard the guys talk about a lot, doing a lot of experiments. I did a big one last year and wrote a book and published it in December. And it's about recruitment marketing. It takes two areas that I have a lot of experience in. And I, I was curious. I wanted to learn more about the, this fairly new discipline and see if there's really any opportunity for me to take my unique experience and, and make an impact there. So I did that. Uh, I published it in December. Then this, this workshop came along and I figured, okay, it's time to really dive in. Let's test this thing out. And so, so at that point, I had a choice. Seriously explore this career pivot into this new space, maybe try to piggyback off of the book and the time I put into it, or consider my recruiting experience sunk costs and move on. And I chose to explore it. And so through this workshop, you know, the other folks have, have talked about kind of the, the exercises we went through, the icky guy, discovering the what it is that we want to do, then using interviews. Uh, with people developing personas to figure out who it is that we're for. And, and as a marketer, those are the two most important things that you need to really figure out. Who's it for and what's it for? And then when you figure that out, then figure out how, how you're going to reach them. And one of my favorite books uh, by Austin Kleon is Steal Like an Artist. And so one of the things that we did in this workshop was Look at posts on social that are really resonating with people and examine why that is and see if you can break it down and figure out the formula. And so that's what, what we did and what, what I did. Also did some polls to figure out where should I be putting my content and not just which social platforms, but what kind of content do people like to use to learn? Is it written content, blogs? Is it videos? What is that? And, and then you know, as a marketer, it's also always be testing, test, refine, rinse, repeat. So I did the icky guy. And really what I determined was what I kind of already knew. I, I love teaching. I love coaching. Uh, I love sharing my knowledge. I love gaining knowledge. I love learning and, and, and then turning around and giving it away. Finding out where I need to focus my time and what content. And I was pleased to find out that most of my audience prefers blogs and articles. And that's, that's good for me because that's what I enjoy. I love writing. Obviously, I wrote a book. That's where I would like to focus. If they would have said YouTube, I would have been like, yeah, sorry, but I'm probably not going to do that. 
So I'm glad that this is where it landed. So, so that was good. Once the flag has been planted, you have to start to generate content. You start to tweet, to blog, to record podcasts, to tell stories in any way that you believe your audience will consume. Now, early on, they may not know that you exist or they may not want to consume content in the way that you think they do. And we learn from that. And over time, we iterate our approaches. We get better at telling our stories and we start to see success. Here's the success that the folks in the cohort started to see after a few weeks of planting their flag and learning which way is best to reach their target audience. I did conduct my own workshops when I had TCE Labs. Is it called information engineering course? Because one of my theories is that design is all about communication. It's about the exchange of information between technology and human beings and making sure that the human being is not assigned responsibilities for information that they are not equipped to deal with. Uh, So I did a lot of workshops during that time. Uh, It was the time when you had to send out brochures through the U.S. mail and buy mailing lists from uh, other companies in order to get the word out. But I did successfully conduct workshops there. And then, of course, internally, I did workshops for HP throughout the entire world to all of their sites also did workshops throughout the world with Deloitte, as well as with the other companies that I work with. So I've probably done over 100 workshops over the course of my career. In a nutshell, I'd say my, my key takeaways from this course are that actually there is an audience, even for my story. So you just need to go out there and, and find it. So send your message to the world and it will resonate with someone. So there are a whole lot of people out there and it will find its audience. So that is really something that I had to be convinced of. (laughs) I was not that confident about that, but actually that's something that I learned. A second key takeaway for me is to, to really ship consistently. In order to make yourself heard out there, you really need to be consistent once in, let's say, the things, the messages that you, that you send out, but also in terms of the frequency that you ship your stuff, actually, because there's tons of noise out there. And if you want to get hurt, you just need to be there again and again and again. And then, of course, it's not just, how do, how do they say, how do they say that? Just pray and pray. <laughs> so just uh, send out your stuff and hope that eventually someone will, will like it. But it's equally important to listen to the feedback that you get. That's what John already uh, elaborated on. And this is actually something that I know from my, let's say, agile software product development career. Of course, when developing a a normal product, then we do it the same way. So why don't apply the same techniques when I'm developing myself as a product? So, But that was something that I just had to learn during that course. And from all these learnings, then take ownership of myself as a product and act accordingly. It's all about acting and doing and shipping. So with all this, actually, I feel well prepared for my way ahead, where I will, let's say, keep up that weekly shipping that I started during the course. I will continue with my lightweight experimentation that I did through the course in order to find out whether I'm um, kind of going into the right direction, see if my stuff resonates with my audience, and then 
adapt. And of course, I will stay in touch with Jeff and, and the cohort members in order to, to get some advice and to just exchange and let them be part of my further journey. Along with these conversations, I also took a poll and received some interesting feedback. I, I mean, I'm just creative dad. Like I just plan to show off creative projects that I do with kids, but a lot more people are asking for work-life balance tips. And there was also, you know, some request for a dad community. And this threw me off a little bit. I wouldn't consider myself an expert by any stretch on work-life balance. I'm still figuring it out as well, but I do have some tips and tricks that I use that have worked for me. So I tried sharing that and I definitely had some reservations about creating community one, it's a, it's a lot of work and uh, sometimes not really fun. It's, it's more focused on, you know, moderating trolls and, you know, keeping the peace among the community. And I didn't know if I wanted to go all in on that. So I stayed focused on just the creative dad aspect. My ultimate goal was to inspire dads to spend time with their kids over the weekends or whenever they have free time and give them ideas of crafts and activities. And I thought maybe they would share back and, uh, and it would grow over time and maybe community would grow with that. So to give a little push, I put out a video for an Amazon box challenge. There were dad, you know, where dad would take a box, create something with their kids. This failed miserably. It's kind of unclear what happened, but I, I did learn a lot from it. And one was that my test may have been too big. Uh, for one, it took me a heck of a long time to put this video out. I love the video editing part, so that was cool, but it actually took longer for me to record myself because, I don't know, I don't like my own voice, and um, <laughs> sometimes I just don't like my own say what, I'm, what I'm saying, so it, it took me a while to edit, and uh, I just couldn't get comfortable being on camera. And then there was other prep stuff that I could have done uh, a lot more efficiently, and I just learned by doing. And uh, if I was my own client, which is funny because I never thought of myself as a brand before, I would have just told myself to do smaller tests. So that's in the back of my mind and still trying to figure out the, the what really. But then I had to figure out who am I for? And especially since I just kind of came into the scene very, very quickly, published the book in December and really started to engage in various Facebook groups uh, on LinkedIn. I had made a lot of great connections through interviews for the book. So I was starting to get into that world again after being out of kind of recruitment HR space for six plus years or so. So dove in there, was trying to figure out who am I for and develop this persona. And I'm sharing my free audience because as I've learned, and you'll see some of the experiments I did, when you're starting to get into something, it just doesn't happen overnight. You really need to build trust and build your brand, your personal brand, your professional brand and really give things away, give knowledge, content away for free, not too much, you know, that there's, there's a balance about what you give out for free and what you charge for. But you really have to start to build up that trust before people will then be willing to pay you for what you know. So the free persona is really where I'll focus mostly. Steal Like an Artist, I reviewed several other people's posts that were just really killing it. And it started to play with that a little bit. And what kind of, what I found out is that the posts that resonated the most on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is where I focus, that's, that's where my audience really is. The things that resonated the most were things that kind of told a story that people could resonate. It not only told a story, 
but then gave actionable items and kind of lessons learned from something that that you actually did, not just always pushing anecdotes and, and assertions. So this was one that I that I put out there a couple of weeks ago, and it really took off, really resonated with people. So I, I kind of figured that formula out. This was an amazing first cohort for the Becoming Forever Employable program. We worked hard, we learned a lot from each other, we supported each other, and now, even after the program, we continue to support and amplify each other to help that platform grow and to help generate opportunities for all of us. I was thrilled to be able to work so closely with the folks in the cohort as they set out on their journey to become forever employable. If you like their stories, there's lots more where that came from in the Forever Employable Stories podcast. It launches on May 4th, 2021 on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And I hope that you subscribe and listen to the stories of folks from all over the world and various industries about what they've done to become forever employable. Hey, it's Jeff. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Forever Employable Stories. If you enjoyed the show and learned something new, tell a friend. The best way you can help us grow is to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and send this episode to someone you think can benefit from it. As always, feel free to reach out and connect on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Do you know someone who has a great Forever Employable story? Someone who has built a platform and an audience using their unique skills and experience? If so, I want to talk to them. Send me a note at jeff at gothealth.co and let me know.